With us today is former mayor of the city of New York, Bill de Blasio, and he was mayor from 2014 to 2021, and 109th mayor of the city of New York. Um, mayor de Blasio, how do you, you're out of office now for two and a half so, or so years. How do you feel? What are you doing? Your friends and the people in New York would like to know. Well, I appreciate it, John, and I, I want to thank you, as always. Um, every time we talk, every time I see you, I think about our friendship, and I think about everything you've done for this city. I want to thank you, and you keep doing for the city. I really want to thank you. And, look, you know, I'll tell you, there is life on the outside, you know, for the last uh, year and there a half. Is life plus, after, I, there is life after being mayor? There is absolutely life after being mayor. And, you know, so it's been a little over a year and a half. Uh, I've been teaching, you know, this, this year teaching at New York University. Uh, last year I did a little stint up at Harvard. Uh, that's been really great, seeing a lot of great young people who want to be part of making the city, making the country better. That's been really exciting. Um, and, you know, working on a lot of interesting uh, issues. So I – I'm, I got to tell you, it's been it's been nice to get a break, especially after those two years uh, that I was governing during COVID. And uh, I'm counting my blessings. You know, we got through that the the way we did. But yeah, I got to tell you, also, I missed I missed so many of the people I worked with who were incredible. And uh, you know, we were able to do some good things, and that's uh, that's the part that. I think anyone who has the honor of being and the privilege of being mayor of this city uh, to feel the life of the city the way only a mayor can and to have an impact, you know, it's an extraordinary thing. And you, you always have to appreciate that. Uh, now, uh, you know, you were mayor during COVID. You were mayor. I'm sure we had a lot of threats under your uh, time as mayor. Uh, New York uh, is under threat again, uh, being threatened by uh, uh, various people in the, in the uh, I guess, Hamas uh, in the Middle East. Um, how do you feel about New York being under threat again? I mean, we, we, we suffered through 9-11, we suffered through COVID, we suffered through so many things. What, do you, what say you? Well, look. This is a very painful moment. I want to, you know, not just for, for Jewish New Yorkers, all New Yorkers should be feeling right now uh, just, just a sense of pain and horror at what we saw from Hamas. It was, it was disgusting, inhumane. Um, we, uh, really, it's really important at this point. It can't be any, you know, moral relativism or, or mixing words here. What we saw was disgusting, unacceptable, and it needs to be condemned by everyone across the spectrum. You know, I'm, as I said, I'm teaching at NYU. Uh, we had a very unfortunate situation with a student leader uh, trying to justify uh, the terrorism of Hamas. Luckily, a lot of us in the NYU community uh, spoke out against that very quickly. Um, I think that's what people have to do. Uh, we have to make uh, very, very clear, of course, we stand with the people of Israel. Uh, and the one thing, because New Yorkers have felt terrorism, we know exactly what terrorism is in ways that a lot of other people uh, have an experience, we've got to condemn it uh, wholeheartedly the second you see it. And by the way, I think President Biden, his speech was one of the best examples of that I've ever seen in my life, and obviously from the heart. Uh, but for New York City right now, we got to be ready. 
you know, during my time as mayor working with our police commissioner at the time, Bill Bratton, we started the Critical Response Command. Uh, that was a specific anti-terrorism unit within the NYPD uh, because we knew that we had to beef up our capacity. Uh, we learned after 9-11, John, that, you know, New York City was so often having to protect itself. And, and it was so important to have our own strength. And what we saw with Hamas is another reminder, that, you know, even though until then it was a little quiet for a few years, it's not something that's going away in the world. And we have to be ready. So I am quite certain NYPD is uh, very effectively on full alert right now. And that's something that should reassure New Yorkers. But let's be clear, let's be honest, this, this threat's going to exist in the world for quite a while, and we've got to protect ourselves. Tell us, you, 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 you taught school up at Harvard, uh, Kennedy School, and you're teaching now at NYU. Which one do you like better? Well, I'm a New Yorker, so I like being in New York better. I grew up, part of my upbringing was up there in Massachusetts, so it was nice to experience that again. And, you know, obviously Harvard's an amazing institution, but no, this, it's not even close. I went to NYU as an undergrad. That, John, that's the cool part. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to young people now who are literally exactly sitting, like, I mean, literally sitting where I was sitting when I was a student, the same building, you know, in, in the same classrooms. And uh, I'm teaching graduates and undergraduates, but particularly when I'm talking to the undergraduates, I'm like, it's an amazing feeling to go full circle. And come back to your alma mater, which, you know, when I was a kid at NYU, starting at age 18, I had no idea what life would bring. And the one thing I knew was, you know, I loved New York deeply, and, and that love just grew year after year. But I never imagined back then I'd be mayor one day. And, you know, who knows? Maybe one of the kids I'm talking to in, in one of my classes will be mayor one day. So that's a it's an amazing feeling to help the next generation. And, and I'm, I got to tell you, John, I'm seeing a lot of um, energy, idealism, a desire to serve. Uh, I, I, I thought I might confront cynicism. I've actually seen quite the opposite. I've seen a lot of very, very sincere young people who want to be part of uh, solving these big challenges we face. Harvard is going through a, uh, well, is it a change in life or whatever you want to call it, where, uh, uh, the people at Harvard seems, you know, you, and you, you said you are pro-Israel. It seems to be more pro-Hamas uh, than pro-Israel. Uh, uh, you actually went there. You spent time there. Give us the pulse of how you see things. Well, John, I understand why you raise it, because there have been some student groups who, you know, I'm, I think would really, really inappropriately um, uh, seem to be backing what Hamas did, or at least not condemning it the way they need to. You know, even if someone who says, oh, I want a different future for the Palestinian people, well, start by condemning uh, the horrid, uh, disgusting terrorism of Hamas that was inhumane and, and should never be considered an example of anything uh, about the Palestinian people. So I, I, would, uh, I would say to anybody out there, who says they care about Palestinians, start by condemning Hamas and what they've done. And then you can talk about, of course, whatever else you believe. I think some of the groups at Harvard haven't done that. And I, you know, because I still have a connection there, I also joined and signed on to a letter that a number of organizations at Harvard uh, sponsored to say, uh, we don't accept this. We don't accept uh, any form of uh, terrorism. And uh, we don't accept that uh, the environment on the campus uh, includes organizations that, that somehow don't think it's 
necessary to see us all as human beings, that if Jewish lives are being destroyed and children killed in front of their families, that, that, that you know, somehow that doesn't need to be spoken to. Of course it has to be condemned. But I would say to you, John, I don't, I don't think the, the groups that have had the wrong position are the majority by any stretch. I think they're unquestionably a minority at Harvard. I think the key thing in all um, American academic institutions is to speak up and the leadership just to say very clearly, uh, we condemn this terrorism. Um, we stand by democracy and Israel is a democracy. There's, you know, a lot that needs to be done in Israel uh, going forward. And I'm still, I'm still a believer in the two state solution. And I'm, I'm someone who has a strong critique of what uh, Netanyahu has done, particularly lately on these uh, judicial changes. I think you got to protect democracy in Israel. That's part of what makes Israel so strong. But, you know, you can have those political differences and still say, let's let's defend the state of Israel no matter what, because of what it means in the world. It's the only refuge that the Jewish people have after, um, you know, millennia of being under attack. Israel is absolutely necessary. Now let's do the work of peace. But that can't involve uh, horrible terrorists that we've seen in these last days. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at BeatTheStigma.org. And uh, the great divide we have in Washington. Uh, I mean, it it doesn't go back to the days when, well, Bill Clinton and uh, Newt Gingrich didn't like each other, but they did a good job for our country. But right now, what the heck is going on in Washington and how, how do we fix it? You know, it's it's very difficult to watch this because it's not the America that we all know. And it doesn't, you know, what a what a strange thing, especially in the middle of this crisis in the Middle East. You know, here's America. We can't elect a speaker of the House of Representatives. That's not America. It, it, this is something, a bigger problem we got to solve. You know, I, I will say, um, you, you can imagine I'm not someone who's necessarily a big fan or friend of Kevin McCarthy or uh, Mitch McConnell, but both of them did show the ability to work with Joe Biden. Uh, to come to some agreements on some things. We've actually had some really important 
bipartisan legislation like the CHIPS Act and, and some of the infrastructure work and clearly on the budget process. You know, until this recent uprising by a very small number of extreme right Republicans, you know, there was still some kind of modus vivendi going on in Washington to get some things done. But I think in the end, John, what gives me hope is that really extreme group within the Republican Party, they are they are still a very small group. I, I you know, obviously have some big disagreements with um, the message of the Republican Party of today. I don't think it looks like the Republican Party of the past by any stretch. But you look at the individual members of the House and Senate, a lot of them are people who are trying to do serious work and trying to be reasonable. And if it weren't for this just handful, you know, business would be. Uh, going on and going forward. I think the solution is going to be a political one. I think the American people are going to look at this with disgust and they're going to respond to it in the uh, election next year. And the the bigger question is, until we correct this dysfunction and this strange, you know, inability of people to work together, you really almost always need to have the three branches, you know, the House, Senate, or not, you know, I should say two branches, the Congress and the, the presidency, um, well, we actually have four branches. Party. We have the, the Congress, the Senate, the executive office, and, and the Supreme Court. Yeah, and I'm saying if to get anything done nowadays, you need, you need House and Senate and presidency all in the same party, realistically. Um, yeah. Until the day that people restore uh, some of the normal ability to get along. I mean, John, you and I, uh, I like to remind people in a good way. We actually were in the same election for mayor together. And, and we, we were, were civilized. You know, right. We were not only civilized, we're friends. You know, it's like yeah. we, we, we like each other. We can hang out. We can talk. It's like it's not that I don't know when it became this thing that if you disagree with someone, you still can't be their friend or their neighbor or agree on the things we agree on. I mean, the stuff you've done, the work you've done with the Police Athletic League, for example, you know, everyone should applaud that. You know, uh, uh, God bless you for helping so many kids. Um, you know, there's plenty of examples. Like I could disagree with you on an issue, but still say I'm really thankful that you're doing such good things for the city. Why we got to model that? We got to show that that's the way it should be in Washington. Also, we should all work together towards uh, having uh, uh, argue during the day in the old Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill, and have a beer at six o'clock after after the day's work. Have a have a big Greek meal at the end of the day. <laughs> okay, we can do that too. <laughs> well, Mayor Bill de Blasio, the 109th mayor of the city of New York, thank you for your input. And uh, we'd like to have more uh, discussions in, in, in the future. And, uh, and good luck in everything you do. And uh, thank you for helping the people of New York. That's really kind of you, John. I look forward to, to more conversations. And thank you for always having this kind of dialogue because you are showing people the way it's supposed to be. It gives it gives us a little bit of hope. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. Dialogue is important. And uh, have a have a good weekend and hope there's no war in uh, Israel. Amen. Amen. God bless.
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 